0: Hello, once again, from the Reptile Living Room. This is your host, John F. Taylor, as always. And once again, we are brought to you by Golden Gate Geckos and Marsha McGinnis, one of the finest breeders of African fat-tailed leopard geckos, as well as the Coleonyx and Neferous Australian geckos, as they're known. If you do get a chance, you should take a chance anyway. Give her a tumble, GoldenGateGeckos.com. She is, again, one of the finest breeders of those species and one of the funnest people that we know of in the reptile industry. So give her a tumble. It's Marsha McGinnis at GoldenGateGeckos.com. And today we actually uh, were at the Pomona Show again. and We got to talk to Andrew Wyatt, who is the president of USARC. And he sits down and talks with us about why USARC is important, uh, some of the battles that we did win last year. The war is still not over though, we still have a long way to go because of the rulemaking and various other things, and uh, Andrew just explains to us why this is so damn important to the reptile industry as a whole. Um, Basically folks, people are trying to take away our rights to own reptiles in captivity and it might even move up to any pets at all. So sit back, enjoy the talk with uh, Andrew, and uh, you're going to learn a lot about what USR does, why they're around, and what they do for us in this industry so we hope you enjoy it and uh, look forward to seeing you okay so today we're here with uh, Andrew Wyatt president of the U.S. Ark Association and for our listeners just in case they are unaware somehow they've been living under a rock or something like that and don't know who U.S. Ark is why don't you tell us a little bit about what what U.S. Ark is doing for us in the reptile communities well
1: uh, U.S. ARC is the, the industry trade association that advocates for the uh, responsible ownership and trade of high-quality captive bred reptiles here in the United States. Um, and as many people know, we faced a number of challenges over the last few years in the form of some federal legislation and some federal rulemakings, uh, as, as well as a bunch of state legislation that would limit our ability to, to work with the reptiles that we love so much. Uh, the, uh, a particular worry right now is the federal rulemaking that could potentially add. Add, uh, nine boas and pythons to the injurious wildlife list of the Lacey Act. Now we don't want that to happen because that will really hurt our industry. So, um, so we've been doing all the things that, that that need to be done to address it. We have uh, uh, the the science that they are using to support their. Uh, uh, reasoning for wanting to add them to the injurious wildlife list is pretty shaky. Uh, we filed a, uh, a challenge under what's called the Information Quality Act and the Administrative Procedures Act. These are guidelines that the government agencies have to go by, uh, standards of uh, quality of information and information they have to provide to justify uh, doing a listing of this nature. they failed to do so so far. So we have made the case quite well. Uh, they they uh, rejected our original challenge. Uh, we have now appealed it and are setting it up for a a federal lawsuit. And so we're trying to get uh, the, the members of the Reptile Nation, our, our industry, together and and use the grassroots muscle to to uh, lobby the folks in Washington to to get them to see our perspective on this thing and the fact that. Uh, that U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has not done their due diligence in uh, making their case.
0: Right. Now, um, just to uh, clarify, everything that we're doing, or that you're doing, actually, with the Art is completely donation-based. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and one of the uh, things that you guys did uh, here at the Reptile Pomona show was you guys did an auction last night, and items were donated for auction. How did you guys do uh, How did we come out with the auction? Did you guys. We
1: did good. You know, know here in uh, Pomona, you know. Uh, Uh, Rami, uh, the promoter of the show, the Reptile Super Show, sits on the board of U.S. Arc and allows us to use his show here as a platform to to get our message out and to raise money. And so on Saturday nights right after the show, uh, we we, uh, uh, get a ballroom and uh, cater it and uh, have a cash bar and we have a big after party. And kind of the highlight of the after-party is this big fundraising auction that we have. And uh, vendors from all over and individuals donate items to be auctioned off during the, the, the auction. And we raise money to, to fight the fight. And, and we did quite well last night. Uh, we exceeded our goals. So awesome. I'm real happy about it. Everybody had uh, a great time. It was standing room only. We ate all the food and, <laughs> and drank all the liquor. <laughs> had a big time and and raised a bunch of money, uh, to be able to continue the fight. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Now you got, we, uh, recently had a success, uh, right before the end of last year, uh, by getting some of those legislation, uh, things not necessarily taken care of, but we got them declined, is my understanding. Well, I mean, uh, uh, the, during the 111th Congress
1: uh, which started in 2008 uh, and ended at the end of 2010 there were three federal bills introduced uh, one is called HR 669 which would have banned the, the ownership of, of, of most um, uh, non-native animals to the United States you know including hamsters goldfish tropical fish you know uh, uh, reptiles uh, and basically anything not native to the United States except for uh, uh, traditional pets like dogs and cats and um, uh, uh, domestic livestock. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then there were two uh, sister bills, one in the House and one in the Senate, that would have done basically the, the same thing that the federal rulemaking is proposing doing now, where they would have listed all... The the nine constrictors on the injurious wildlife list, and we were successful in our endeavor to uh, defeat all three federal bills uh, in the 111th Congress. So it was a it was a nice Christmas present. Um, We celebrated that victory. Uh, Now it was it was just one battle in in the war that we're waging uh, against those who would shut us down as an industry. And uh, so uh, even though it was a, a great victory for us, and we celebrated and enjoyed. That as a Christmas present. I mean, it was just a battle, and and now we're on to the the rulemaking. So that's that's where the money is going. You know, right. we spend all of our money that we take in on fighting these battles. You know, mm-hmm. you look at a lot of groups, and you know. Uh, and you look at what their administrative costs are, and you know sometimes upwards of 90% goes to administrative costs, wow. uh, and you know maybe one percent to the mission. <laughs> well, well uh, our our administrative costs are are, are much lower than that, somewhere right. in the neighborhood of about 20%, and uh, and uh, so the the vast majority of all the money is actually going towards fighting the fight.
0: Okay. Now, on the administrative costs and things of that nature, do you think that's why other groups? You know, without naming them, um, have been less successful as far as you know fighting the administration in Washington. Yeah. Well, we we come at it with a um, a very aggressive strategy
1: and the form of uh, political advocacy, and uh, it's something that uh, a lot of other uh, groups even you know these big uh powerful well-funded groups uh don't do and we have become interestingly enough being as uh, you know one of the smallest segments of what we'll call the animal interest right. industry and that goes to livestock and everything else we have the most aggressive advocacy and most effective advocacy out there and uh, you know we're on it 24/7 365 days a year we're right. paying attention and uh you know we're very laser beam focused on our issues mm-hmm. and and if we've gotten really good results from that formula. Right. And so that, that's, that's that's our, that's,
0: um, that's our game plan. Okay, so we are going to interrupt here real quickly just to give a commercial break and let you know that we are brought to you today by Marsha McGinnis and Golden Gate Geckos, uh, one of the finest breeders of the African Fat-Tailed Geckos, Leopard Geckos, as well as the nefarious species of Australian Geckos and Cholionics to boot. If you do get a chance, and we really, really encourage you to do so, give her a tumble at GoldenGateGeckos.com. Once again, that's Golden Gate Geckos. So, now, what is the end game that the people that are trying to get these bans going, what is their end result? I mean, why? They, basically, why are they doing it? Because it's like the Nature Conservancy and stuff like that, it seems like they should be promoting our industry rather than try to tear it down, but it's vice versa. So,
1: Well, like, behind the Python ban, you have uh, two major special interest groups. Uh, one is the Defenders of Wildlife. And one is the Nature Conservancy, and they don't believe uh, there should be any non-native animals in the United States. And that's including livestock, that's including your dogs and your cats, that's including all of it, you know. Uh, They just don't believe that they belong in the United States. Um, and so that's their motivation behind it. And then you have people that are riding the bandwagon, like the Humane Society of the United States, that is interested in any anti-animal or uh, uh, legislation or regulation because they don't believe that in any kind of animal ownership or use. So it's a little different tact, but they're they're happy to to jump on the bandwagon and push a lot of money at anything that is going to limit animal ownership and use. So that's where right. that's where they come in. So that's kind of the motivations behind behind these people, you know, and a lot of people probably in the past have, have thought that the missions of, of um, Defenders of Wildlife and the Nature Conservancy, you know, were were, were missions that they could support, uh, right. but now it comes out that they really want to shut down the, the reptile industry and they don't want any non-native animals in the United States, you know.
0: Well, you know, I have to say, because personally when the Python ban first came out and I heard about it, I was actually, you know, kind of the same way as these other people, like, okay, well, you know, we don't really need to import more Pythons and bows and stuff like that. But then, actually, when you read the meat and the pizz of what's actually in the bill, there's a lot more that's going on, you know under-the-radar kind of thing, where it's like you read the first few headlines, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But if you actually read the meat and potatoes, which a lot of people don't, you know, that's where all of the stuff that comes out in the wash, basically. Right. Well, that's a big
1: misconception, because um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and these big special interest groups have kind of championed the fact that they're interested in stopping the import of these animals into the United States. But the, the reality of an injurious wildlife listing in the Lacey Act, it goes far beyond import. You know, our industry could probably handle, uh, it, you know, stopping importing certain animals into the United States. But what the the the, the, the big problem is, is stopping interstate commerce. And and so it, it affects the high quality captive bred reptiles that are being produced here in the United States and, and sold across state lines. And not only that, but exported out to uh, other countries. We're responsible for 82 percent of the exports of Uh, 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 captive bred reptiles worldwide and
0: so this is a lot more than just about import you know and see that's the key word there captive bred exports you know this is not stuff that we brought in and then re-exported you know this is stuff that we're actually breeding in the industry and then export into other countries so other countries can enjoy the same, you know, animals that we enjoy. Because I hear a lot of that from Europe, you know, it's like, oh, you guys get all the cool stuff over there, we can't get it, and, you know, this kind of thing. Absolutely, and,
1: you know, it's... Um it's kind of interesting you know that these big conservation organizations wouldn't be interested in our mission because it's uh, it's kind of conservation through uh... captive propagation because right. when you're producing these high-quality captive bred reptiles here in the united states it reduces the appetite worldwide for animals to be, to be removed from the wild right exactly. you know and, and not only that but it secures them as kind of a conservation safety net and. Uh, the, the uh, uh, private interests here in the United States have been more successful in the captive breeding of many, many species of reptiles than anyone else in the world. Zoos cannot hold right. a candle to what hobbyists and, and professional breeders are doing here in the United States, where the the zoos their their uh, sophistication and technology is still back in the '80s and '90s, and, right. and there's 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 uh, you know teenagers that are much more sophisticated systems and are much more successful at breeding many animals you know basically in their in their very, in their very homes mm-hmm. you know right right our husbandry is, is is well advanced beyond most of what has been considered the you know the the institutional uh, side of of the, the captive propagation uh, system the zoos are just not up to speed right right
0: now in order for our listeners to support USARC um, all they have to do is log on to USR org. there's all kinds of information on there about what the next bill upcoming is um, how to donate money or you know whatever they can donate you know and we're not talking that's the one thing i like about usrc myself is you're not asking you know we have a fixed set donation rate if we want to donate a dollar we donate a dollar you know that's correct that's <laughs> every correct. little bit helps and now as far as the rulemaking that's coming up um, I guess it's this year sometime. What what is necessary to make that uh, make that defense? Well, a, a lot of the groundwork has already
1: been laid. We've okay. made we've made our case, and uh, and you know the fact that the the rulemaking hasn't uh, been done yet uh, it has given time for a lot of economic information to come out. Uh, The uh, economic assessment done by Mm -hmm. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, was so inaccurate as to be almost absurd. U.S. ARC has um, has commissioned uh, uh, Georgetown Economic Services out of Washington, D.C. to do uh, a full assessment of the industry, kind of a uh, third-party independent audit of what Mm -hmm. exactly our industry is and uh, so it's going to undercut Fish and Wildlife Service's uh, estimation of what the industry is. Uh, We've done our, our challenge and our appeal under the Information Quality Act and the Administrative Procedures Act, and it's basically laid out all of the problems that U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has with uh, uh, their case. And so we're hoping, you know, with the new Congress coming in and everything and a lot of, and, and talking about a lot of government oversight, that it's going to come to light that U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has not been adhering to their own guidelines and standards for the quality of information uh, that they use to support... A potential listing of this nature, right. and so what we need basically, I mean, we're heading for a potentially a federal lawsuit. So what we need is to increase the size of the Reptile Nation and bring in more money because lawsuits are expensive. You right, know? right. And, and you know we've been very successful at what we do, but we're still a very small grassroots uh, organization. And to fund a federal lawsuit, that's serious
0: money. Right, know? right, because you're going up against, I mean, Humane Society of the United States you know, nature conservancy, defenders of wildlife. And these people have, you know, millions, if not more, dollars to hire the lawyers and the legal aspects and all that stuff. Right, and that is true, but
1: if in, in the case of a lawsuit, it would be against the federal government. Right. And, and of course, their pockets are deeper than, than even those big yeah, NGOs. Exactly. you know. And, right. uh, so, and usually their strategy is to try and drag it out as long as possible to so the out. litigant runs out of money, right. runs out of momentum, and then the, the, the case dies. Right. So we can't let that happen. And right. So the, the fundraising uh, effort is, is huge right now. Now, and uh, we really need to bring more people into the reptile nation, raise awareness of what's going on, so people realize that they need to get involved. So that because it, they, you know, it's one thing when Andrew Wyatt, as the voice of US says something, but it's another thing when Andrew Wyatt and fifty thousand of his friends say something. Right. You know, and the, and the muscle that we can bring in with the money. This is a a one point three billion dollar industry, and so we we need to to get more people involved and understand what's going on so we can help continue to fund this effort. And, and ultimately, you know, I believe the, the biggest question is can we support this this effort financially? And if we can, I think we'll win because we're right. We've got all the facts on our side. We've got all the science on our side. And it's just a matter of staying the course and, and seeing it through. Right. Awesome. Well, Andrew, I appreciate your time, and uh, so are you enjoying the Pomona Show? Absolutely. You know, Rami does a bang-up job. Uh, He's one of the premier promoters in the the country and the world, and the Pomona Show uh, has been a... A, a huge success. I think the door is bigger than any show he's ever done uh, before here. Uh, everybody's here. You can look, take a look around. as the place is packed. Everybody oh, yeah. buying stuff. This is a vibrant industry. This is demonstrates it right here. Right. Last summer, you know, when Rami did his show uh, last summer in July, they had uh, the uh, dog and cat show and a tropical fish show in the two buildings right next. Right. Right next. Right. I remember that. And um, when, but when you went to the all three buildings, the reptile building. Was absolutely
0: packed. Well, that's the thing. Is I was actually told Rami this when I when I was at that last show. I was I went over and checked out the other buildings, and it's like everybody in the other buildings was filtering over to the reptile show
1: instead. Reptiles <laughs> are the rock star of the pet industry. Right. You know? It is the only part of the pet industry that is you know vital and and growing exponentially right now, and that's really what these big NGOs are looking to cut that off and uh, before it gets started because they don't they, they don't want that to happen. They don't want reptiles in the homes of all uh, all of Americans because once the soccer moms start to identify with this and care as much about little Bobby's uh, ball python or corn snake or leopard gecko the way they care about little Bobby's puppy or kitten, right. it's over. It's we over win. With, right. You know? Because soccer moms rule the world. Everybody knows that. <laughs> exactly. Or they rule the United States anyway.
0: <laughs> awesome. I appreciate your time again, Andrew. I know you're busy. So you. Let's you get back to the show. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank much. you. all right so there you have it that was andrew wyatt president of usarc.org and uh once again like we said folks if you got a dollar donate it if you got two dollars donate it donate 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 we can't repeat it enough this is the only thing and the only way we're actually going to stop those bs lawsuits and all this crap that's going on in the congresses and the house and all this other stuff and it's the only way we're going to save our industry so if we don't act now, we're going to regret it. Now, with <clears throat> that being said, uh, we are once again brought to you by Marcia McGinnis of Golden Gate Geckos. One of the, again, the finest breeder of African fat tails, leopard geckos, nefaris species, as well as the coleonic species. You can always find her at GoldenGateGeckos.com. Once again, that's GoldenGateGeckos.com. Check her out. She's got a lot of awesome stuff. I mean, just vibrant colors. Everything about this organization that she runs up in the Bay Area just rocks. You just need to check her out. Now, uh, next week, let's see, who do we have on tap for next week? And wouldn't you know it, it's Marsha McGinnis talking to us next week about knobtails. Knobtail gecko species is an Australian species. Um, So we look forward to talking to Marsha once again. She has been on once before. But uh, in this interview, we're actually going to talk to her specifically about the knobtail uh, geckos, their care in captivity, uh, possibly price some information out of, out of her about breeding them in captivity. But uh, checking in the show, we'll see what happens. Thanks again for tuning in to the Reptile Living Room. <laughs>